We're so happy to be here on this blessed morning. Thank God for Jesus. I'm going to pray just to open this up. I want to take a moment to just, like I normally do, but in a special way because this is a special day, and I just want to set aside everything that we're bringing in here all of our week, our worries, the good, the bad. We just want to take a moment to fix our gaze on Jesus, the resurrected King, this morning, and just be grateful and be thankful and let that really touch our hearts in a special way this morning. Um, I wanted to share this quote from author and theologian N.T. Wright that I thought was really beautiful. It says, The Bible tells the story of the world as having reached its destiny, its climax, when Jesus of Nazareth came out of the tomb on Easter morning. Amen. Father, thank you so much for your gift that you came, that you sent your son to take our place, to take our punishment. Like the song just said, we dug our own grave, but you came and you rescued us. You took our place. We're so grateful. But that wasn't the end of the story. When you suffered and you died and you went into that tomb for three terrible days, but then on Sunday morning, the tomb was empty, and we are so amazed. God, still, the power of your resurrection, that same spirit that raised you from the dead, that you have given to us, that lives in us. Holy Spirit, we are so thankful for you this morning, and we just want to acknowledge your presence, that you're here with us, in each of us, and collectively, in all of us. We just ask that you would have your way this morning. All agendas aside, whatever it is that you want to say, whatever it is that you want to do, the old and the new, Holy Spirit, we are open. Come and have your way. Come and move in our midst. Speak to our hearts. And remind us of your power and your beauty and your love. Amen. We're going to sing a special song for you this morning. was crowned with thorns, is crowned with glory now. The Savior knelt to wash our feet, now at his feet we
Your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. The fear that held us now gives way to Him who is our peace. His final breath Your name is victory. 
of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Verses 1 through 6, it says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Amen. That's what we're celebrating this morning. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a
Yeah. Mm-hmm.
of the word. This is the word of the Lord from John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out, teacher, Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with this news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. God, I just pray that as we open up your word and as we enter into a time of learning and receiving, God, would you speak to us the word that you have for us this morning? God, would you anoint these words? And make them the words that each one of us needs to hear today. God, we continue in this attitude of worship and praise as we declare the power and the glory and the hope of your resurrection this morning. God, be with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever felt so overwhelmed with grief that you couldn't even think straight? Have you ever been so overwhelmed by grief that you felt like your brain could barely function enough to get through the basic tasks of a day? I've experienced a grief like this, and this is one of those moments where pastors often will search deep inside themselves and find a really vulnerable moment, and then they have to decide whether or not they're going to share that vulnerability with others. Because the moment I thought about that question and the grief that Mary was experiencing, I mean, instantly, a memory came flooding back to my mind from when I experienced a grief that was so overwhelming and debilitating that I felt like I could have easily mistaken Jesus for the gardener. You know what I mean? And so I was, I was brought back to, to several years ago. Before Bo and I had our first child, Nora, we had experienced a miscarriage. And, and as you can imagine, and as some of you know, 
The pain and the grief of of that loss was overwhelming. It was debilitating. And while I know that logic and statistics say that, that it is common and it's more common than women realize or know, none of that logic came into my mind. And so I'm in the midst of this overwhelming grief and pain and all I can think about is the loss. All I can think about is what I don't have, what I'm not currently holding, what I'm not seeing. I didn't care what the statistics said because all that I could think about was what if? What if? What if what I have longed for and hoped for will never be realized? What if what I'm longing for and hoping for so much, what if this happens again? I couldn't bear it. And that is the only place my mind could go. Well, I took some time off work. At this time, I um, had owned and operated out of a private photography studio. And so at this time, I had a friend of mine who was working for a local newspaper, and she wanted to do a story on my photography studio because my inspiration for this studio and for photography came from my late grandfather, and I had inherited some of his equipment and lenses and things like that. And that's how this studio was born. And so she was talking to a friend at a newspaper and said, hey, let's, let's, let's um, just write an article about this. I think it's really inspiring. And so unfortunately, the timing was not great because it fell right around this time that I was kind of coming out of the grieving of this loss, or really I hadn't come out of it at all, but I had to put my life together again. I had to get up and face the music and, and go about my day, right? And so there was this day when I had to meet with that photographer who was going to take pictures for this article, and um, I gathered my things, and I left my house, and I went to meet this photographer, and as soon as I pulled up, it hit me that I left all of my grandfather's stuff at home. I had my camera and my personal lens, because that's just what I grabbed to go, but I left all of the important stuff at home. I left the whole purpose of this moment at home. And, and see, I am a scattered person. I'm, I'm a forgetful person, but this was different, because the moment I pulled up, I just immediately started bawling. I lost all composure in that moment. Don't worry, I was still in my car. He didn't see me. I hit it really well, got out and pretended like nothing was wrong. But in that moment, I realized I can't even think about the normal everyday things that I'm supposed to be doing because my brain had one goal at that moment, and it was survival. Just survive. Just get through it. And so I kind of, you know, came up with a reason, and I, it didn't matter. He thought I was insane, and that's okay, because I wasn't going to go into it with him, obviously. And so we made the best of it, but I don't enjoy telling you that story. I don't enjoy reliving that memory, because I still have that newspaper article, and it's folded up and tucked away, and I don't even like to look at it, because I look at this picture of myself with these lenses that aren't my grandfather's. We had to like salvage something. And all I can see is overwhelming grief and a person who was just trying to survive. And the reason I share that story with you this morning is because I've experienced a grief that does something to your mind that keeps you from functioning on an everyday level. And I suspect that you have too. I suspect 
That if you think about it in this way, and there is science here that, that tells us that, that when grief gets a hold of our lives and, and when grief is, is in our mind and in our brain, our brains do, to a certain extent, shut down. And, and they can just barely survive, and, and that's the brain's goal, and it's brain fog to the extreme. But I suspect that you know what this is like, and I want you to, to channel that for a moment because that is where we find Mary on this first Easter morning. You see, Mary is so overwhelmed with grief. And because I've experienced overwhelming grief, I'm not comparing my grief to Mary's grief, but because I've experienced overwhelming grief, I understand. I can read this passage, and I'm not skeptical. I'm not skeptical that Mary mistake, had mistaken Jesus, her teacher and friend, for a gardener because I know what grief does to the mind. And, and I think we can just step back and, and empathize and sympathize with Mary for just a moment, right? Because Mary has just lost her dear, dear friend. This was Jesus who saw her in the midst of her brokenness and her pain and her ugly, broken past. He saw her and he knew her and he loved her and he welcomed her and this was her dear friend and he's gone. Not only that, but this was her savior. And so now all of her hopes for a savior have been shattered and torn. And, and all she can think about is, this was my Messiah who was supposed to change everything for me and for my people. And now to make it even worse, she can't even properly grieve over his body. Because you see, that was an important part of ancient Jewish culture. Did you know that, that in the ancient Jewish culture, Jews would take seven whole days to grieve. They would take seven days and they would put that time aside and they would show up and pay their respects to the body and they would, they would respect and grieve. They, would set, they didn't do work. They didn't do menial tasks. They didn't do anything fun. They just showed up and embraced the grief. And now Mary has been robbed of the opportunity to show up and properly grieve her Lord and Savior and friend. You need to understand this this morning, that this is the context in which we find Mary. This would have been utterly and completely tragic for Mary. Mary is overwhelmed with grief. Can you relate? Can you relate? Because when we experience such a deep grief as Mary, we can understand that it is certainly easy to not see anything else. When we are in the midst of an overwhelming grief, it can be really difficult to see anything outside of that grief. Listen, I get it. I see you. I get it. When you are grieving, and it doesn't matter what you're grieving, I mean, it does, but, but you can be grieving the loss of a life, the loss of a life not yet lived in my case. You can, can be grieving the loss of a dream, the loss of hope, the loss of a relationship, the loss of, of trust, the loss of a friend. You can be grieving the loss of a, of a job, the loss of a faith community. You could be grieving a diagnosis. You could be grieving the waiting on a diagnosis. You could just be grieving the waiting. You could be grieving 
depression and anxiety and the grip it has on you or those you love. You can, you can grieve, and we all grieve things like injustices and war and violence, and we grieve at just about every sight of this broken world, don't we? It's personal for all of us, and I get it. It can be extremely difficult to see Jesus in the midst of that grief. It can be so easy to focus on everything that is wrong, missing the one who wants to make everything right. And yet, there he stands. There he stands in the midst of your grief. There he stands in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your overwhelming loss, seeking to just comfort you, seeking to guide you, seeking to redeem you. He sees you in the midst of your grief and your pain, and he offers something that you cannot and will not find anywhere else, and that is a resurrected hope. Friends, the good news today and every day by the way, is that Jesus meets us in our mess, in our pain, and in our grief, and in his resurrected glory offers us hope and life and restoration. Because when Jesus is in our midst and when Jesus calls our name, everything changes. And not just a little bit. It changes everything, every part of you. Think about this moment for Mary. Can you, can you just imagine for a moment Mary and imagine her looking inside at this empty tomb and I imagine Jesus over here and, and he's talking to her and, and she can't even recognize him. She can't see him for who he is. Imagine the moment and how everything changes from when Mary goes from standing here to turning and looking here. Can you just imagine that? I was reading from a scholar, Frederick Dale Bruner, this week, and he really paints this picture, and I want you to just imagine it. He says, in the one or two seconds this turn took, I imagined the world shifting ever so slightly on its axis. And at about this turn's one-second midpoint trajectory, history two moved almost imperceptibly from B.C. to A.D., a second before this turn, there is a woman in the deepest human despair, in the agonizing presence of unconquerable death. And a second after the beginning of this turn, there is a woman in the deepest possible human elation, in the presence of a death conquering the central figure of history. That is what we are celebrating today. On Friday, on Good Friday, we left off in a garden. Some of you were here for our Good Friday service, and, and I just want to recall that on Friday, we, we talked about the gardens that are present in the Easter story from the beginning of the weekend to the end of the weekend, and we talked about how the story begins in a garden. And certainly what comes to mind is the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was found and arrested, but we're going back even further to the garden from the very beginning, the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis, because that's where the story actually begins. 
right? It should not be lost on us that the story of God begins in a garden, the path of salvation takes place in a garden, and the story of Jesus Christ, who is making all things new, is completed once and for all, finished in a garden, And be careful not to miss that John, the gospel writer John, is illustrating a theological truth here. Don't miss it. That sin entered the world in the garden and is now conquered in this garden through the resurrection. And while, yes, Mary did mistaken Jesus for a gardener, but the theological irony should not be lost on us that Jesus is a gardener of sorts because he is creating and curing new life to grow where there was once death. Jesus is giving hope where none could be found. Jesus is taking what was broken and he's making it whole. Jesus is taking what was once ashes and he's making something beautiful. Jesus is taking the broken pieces of our lives and he is creating something new. He's taking the old life that was overwhelmed with the grips of sin and he's giving us power and victory over sin. This resurrected Jesus, as we sang this morning, is still resurrecting. The question I have for you this morning is, what in your life needs resurrecting? What in your life needs resurrected today? Where do you long to see new creation today? As you look at your life and as you can possibly, probably identify something that is broken, where do you long to see something new I have good news for you. I have the best news ever for you, that you are in the presence of an alive, resurrected king who wants to take your broken life and he wants to make it new. And I get it. It's challenging and difficult at times to see him, but he's here and he wants to give you new life He wants to give you new hope. He wants to take what was once ashes and make something beautiful. He wants to take what was broken and make it whole again. He wants to resurrect what you thought was dead and long gone, and he calls you by name this morning. So yeah, Easter Sunday, it's a pretty big deal. In case you haven't noticed or haven't heard, Easter Sunday is a pretty big deal for us. But I have to be honest and confess something to you this morning that I'm a little skeptical sometimes. I'm a little skeptical sometimes about our tendency to make Easter Sunday something that it isn't and completely missing everything and all that it is. And if I could give you one piece of advice this morning, just don't just give up on the Easter picture, okay? Just give up on it, because I spent years trying to get the perfect Easter picture. And if you're in ministry, uh, for sure give up on it, because it's just not happening. It doesn't all hang on the perfect Easter picture. I look over and I look at pictures from Easter, and I'm like, wow, we just barely have a good one, like one out of ten years. (laughs) But that's not what I carry with me, because friends... Easter is a big deal, but we are to carry this moment. This is not a one-time moment. And if it is, it's time to start reevaluating things because this is a moment that we are to carry with us every day of every week all throughout the year. 
Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday is a celebration. Every Sunday is declaration of the risen Lord and declaring once again that we are a resurrected community. We are a resurrected people. We have hope. And the greatest mistake we could make is to act like this is a one, once a year thing. The greatest mistake we could make is to observe Easter and the resurrection and celebrate it to this extent once a year because it's not a one-time event. It's a way of living because the resurrected king is still in the business of resurrecting. I love that from Mary, we can learn a lot from Mary. I love that as we look at this story And as we pause and celebrate the first person who was called to go, the first person was called to go and tell others. And as we recall that this morning, we are reminded that we are called to share and not hoard this good news. In fact, we we get really crazy and we orient our lives around the sharing of this good news. It is who we are. We don't just gather here and hoard the joy and the glory for ourselves. We are called, and we are reminded of that this morning, that we are called to be a resurrected community that doesn't just gather and celebrate among themselves, but we are called to go out into the world in the deadest, darkest, most broken places and breathe new life. Join with the Holy Spirit in what he's already doing And we join and partner with him and we show others that new resurrected life is possible, that a resurrected hope is here. And listen, most of the time, it's really difficult. And most of the time, here's another little free tip for you, most of the time you're going to feel like you're alone in it because we like to to kind of be party poopers and Debbie Downers and we like to think, oh, it's just me, no one else cares as much as I do. But that is the importance of gathering as a resurrected community because we look around and we're reminded we're not alone, that we are called to go together and we walk alongside each other, reminding each other because Christians, good, holy, every Sunday Christians need to be reminded that this Jesus who is this resurrected Jesus is still resurrecting. Because Christians, we need lots and lots and lots of reminders because we too forget. We don't want to fool you this morning. If you're not a part of this community, we're not trying to pretend like we're something we're not, right? Right? We need reminded of this resurrecting hope as well. Friends, because of the hope of the resurrection that we, yes, celebrate every year on Easter Sunday, but hopefully we celebrate every Sunday. Because of the hope of the resurrection, we are now resurrected people. We are a resurrected community. What does that look like? It means that we live every day in the power of the resurrection. When we wake up every morning, the first thing that we do is remind ourselves whose we are and who we are and who we are called to be. As a resurrected community, we are to share the power and the resurrection with a world that is plagued by sin and death. 
We are to look for ways and live in ways that breathe new life into the world around us. We are to constantly look for where the Holy Spirit is at work and join him in that work. We are to share stories of when and where God has breathed new life into our lives, even when it makes us look vulnerable, even when it's difficult and challenging. We long, as a resurrected people, we're still longing, right? We're in the tension of the already and the not yet, so we are still longing. We are still looking ahead for the resurrection of the dead and for, to, for all of us to be united in Christ Jesus once and for all. And we look to that, not passively, but in a great hopeful expectation. And we rejoice that Jesus was raised, but we also rejoice that we are continually being brought to new life. And that is why we can count it as a joy and privilege to celebrate baptism on Easter Sunday. A baptism on any Sunday is amazing. And we're going we're gonna to shift gears in just a moment and we're going to prepare to celebrate baptism this morning. But don't let this Don't let this be lost on you that as we are celebrating these baptisms, as we observe and watch these be baptized, we are united to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The sacrament of baptism is a beautiful initiating act into the community of resurrection. This water symbolizes both cleansing, but also being brought out of death and into new resurrected life. This is a glorious moment, one that is worth celebrating. And so as we baptize these four individuals in just a moment, we are welcoming them into this resurrected community. We are inviting them to join us as resurrected people. So listen, don't be a bunch of fuddy-duddies and cheer your faces off when these come out of the water because this is a big deal. And I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you to remember your own baptism. This is a beautiful, sacred moment, but not just for the individuals who are being baptized. It's a beautiful and sacred moment for you. You who have been baptized, you who have died to old self and been brought, raised up to new life. So remember your baptism and remember your identity as a resurrected people. Jonah here, he uh, decided it was time for him to be baptized. He got saved, oh, it was almost two years ago. Well, it was close to two years ago. Him and his sister actually uh, played a huge role in that. Uh, they seem to be really independent in their uh, spiritual <laughs> yeah. moments. Uh, but uh, Jonah has finally decided that he's ready. He understands what's going on here. And uh, he wanted to show y'all that he has accepted Christ in his life. And. Uh, I asked him if he wanted to give his story, but he never gave me an answer. He never said no. He never said yes. So, Jonah, you declare that Jesus is Lord of your life, right? Right. And do you commit to living for Jesus all the days of your life? 
in that case, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next, we have Sophie. So come on in, Soph. All right, you just have a seat there, Sophie. This is Sophie Jansen. And Sophie and I talked last week, right? And, and Sophie, I just want to ask you once again, have you declared that Jesus is Lord of your life? If so, say, I do. And do you promise to commit your life to following Jesus every day? If so, say, I do. Okay. In that case, Sophie Jansen, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Zach, come on in. This is a special moment for the Jansen family because this is Sophie's older brother, Zach. Go ahead and have a seat, Zach. Oh, okay. You're going to switch it up on us. Oh, yeah. You want me to take your glasses? Go ahead and take them off for me. All right, so Zach and I also talked last week, and Zach, I just want to ask you once again, if you have indeed asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, if so, say I do, and do you commit to following Jesus all the days of your life? If so, say I do. All right, then Zach Jansen, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is Faith Short, and Faith is a good friend of mine, and she uh, also has talked with me. And Faith, I just want to ask you again in front of everyone, if you have indeed made Jesus the Lord of your life, if so, say, I do. And do you commit to following Jesus all the days of your life? If so, say, I do. Then Faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right, good job. You did it. You did it. Good job. 
that is worthy of an amen. Amen. I want to ask you again this morning, what is it that in your life that needs resurrected today? What is it that you are longing to see new creation? What is it that you might be grieving today? I just want to remind you that you are in the presence of a resurrected Lord who is continuously making all things new. And I know my story is not your story and not all share my story, but baptizing my baby boy is the reminder that hope is not dead, that we serve a redeeming, loving Savior who is still making all things new. And you might not see it at first. You might have to declare it before your heart is really in it. But friends, I just want to challenge you to be open. Would you be open to receiving the resurrected life that is being offered to you by Jesus Christ today and every day? I don't want to pass this moment. I don't want to miss an opportunity to remind you that this resurrection hope is for you. And if you've been hesitant, if you've been reluctant, today's the day to receive it. Not because it's a a magical day because it's Easter, but because it's now. Because it's now. And the Lord has already begun making things new. So this is the moment. The Apostle Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, listen, If anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone. We left that. The old is gone and the new has come. Do you want to be made new today? I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes this morning just simply to get rid of any distractions. And I just want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning however the Lord might be calling you. My prayer is that you would be able to hear him call your name. Maybe it's in the pounding of your heart. Maybe it's in the spinning of your mind this morning. But you'll know it. And he's calling you. He's calling you to give every part of yourself to him this morning. He wants to make all things new. So God, we thank you. We thank you, God, for the ways that you are renewing us and creating something new and taking what was dead and broken and giving us new resurrected life and hope. God, would you just continue to speak to us and may we respond to you this morning. God, we love you and we praise your name. Amen. As we sing this last song this morning, I just want to encourage you to respond in a way that's appropriate. And if that is at your seat, then that is perfectly fine. But I do want to remind you that these altars are here and they are simply a symbolism of surrender. And it doesn't mean that you're surrendering for the first time, although that might be true, but it's just a surrendering again and again and again to this resurrected king who is still resurrecting today. Amen. 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 I 
I love that Jesus is the kind of savior that could be mistaken for a gardener. You can stand with us as we sing this song if you'd like. I just love Jesus so much that he came in so much humility. He didn't come to be standing out or getting attention. He didn't draw attention to himself. He's standing there, just a normal guy, just a gardener. That's the God that we serve. It's so beautiful to me. Let's sing this this morning. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior. 
You may be seated. God, we thank you once again for the ways I trust, Lord, that you have begun making things new in the lives of some. And Lord, we praise you for the ways that you continue to make all of us new day by day. God, I just pray that as we leave this place that we would just continue to walk in the truth and the hope and the faith of the resurrected power of King Jesus. God, when we get discouraged and when we get down and feel defeated, God, would you just remind us of this community that we have. Remind us, God, through each other that we are not alone, that we walk together. We are a resurrected community that walks toward Jesus every single day and celebrates that we are a resurrected people. God, would you just continue to help us to see you? Help us to recognize you. God, help us to hear when you call our name. We praise you, God, in the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, just a few quick announcements before you are dismissed this morning. For those of you who uh, are regulars around here, we just want to give you a few reminders that uh, throughout the month of April, we are still going to be collecting pajamas for the Restore Network. So that bin or that bucket's going to be out there the whole month if you'll just continue to bring those and drop those off. Uh, we will have a men's breakfast Saturday, April 23rd at 8 a.m. That's going to be here um, in the fellowship hall. And then uh, Lunch Bunch is going to be meeting April 27th. That's a Wednesday at uh, noon at Chevy's. And then church board elections are going to be um, held next Sunday, immediately following the service. That's next Sunday, April 24th. Uh, so keep, keep that in mind. And then finally, for all of you that are here today, uh, we do have... Um, an Easter egg hunt planned for our kiddos. We went ahead and shifted gears because the weather was not looking promising and we were pretty certain it's gonna start raining at any moment. And had we planned it outside, it would already be raining and we all know that. <laughs> so we went ahead and just shifted gears and that is gonna be held downstairs. Um, so if parents just pay attention as we kind of shift gears to get your kiddos over there. So I've got Dawn back here in the back who's waving at us. Um, she's gonna lead us downstairs and so you're going to all walk downstairs and just wait at the hallway, wait for some instructions. But I will just go ahead and tell you now that if you have toddlers or small kiddos, like four and under, we'll say, uh, we do have a toddler room on the left-hand side of the children's wing, and that's just for the toddlers. Big kids, are we good on that? <laughs> Let's leave that room for the toddlers. Um, if we don't have any toddlers or if they're not in there, then later on we'll go back and make sure that all those are collected. And then the older kids are free to find them anywhere down that hallway. Am I forgetting anything? Okay, so just prepare for that as, we, as soon as we leave. And I just want to invite you all to stand this morning. Brothers and sisters in the resurrected Christ. I pray that you would go in the grace and peace of our Lord and that you would go and be a resurrected people who declare the hope of our resurrected King Jesus. Go and enjoy the day with your loved ones. You are dismissed. Thanks for being here.